everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome Andy Mendez. He's the executive director of the Illinois High School Esports Association. He's going to tell us all about high school esports, help students understand how they can get a club going, help parents understand what their children have an opportunity to be a part of, and give deep insights for high schools on how they can help build clubs themselves. Let's talk to Andy. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today is my pleasure to welcome Andy Mendez. Andy is the executive director of the Illinois High School Esports Association. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me, John. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'm really excited to have you today because we've talked on this show a lot of times with professional teams, people who are doing partnerships in in that realm. We've had C-suite folks at the college level with CSL, Play Play Esports, but we have not yet touched on high school esports. And as we look at the industry, there is this, I would say, lack of a pipeline to pro, or you could say maybe lack of clarity of just what your career could be in the space off the stage. So I'm super excited to have you today. Tell us first a little bit, what is the Illinois High School Esports Association? Sure, yeah, happily. So the Illinois High School Esports Association is a 501c3 nonprofit organization here in the state of Illinois that aims to assist students in you know, creating opportunity for themselves through esports and gaming. We tie in STEM with competition and just we're overall the best opportunity for students to compete, play and learn through esports and gaming here in Illinois. That's awesome. So take us back to the beginning of, you know, how did you get involved with this association in the first place? Yeah, so that's a that's actually kind of an interesting story. So I was a high school student back when the IHSEA, which is what we go by, was founded. I was a student at Matia Valley High School, I want to say in my sophomore year of school. And I had just, you know, fell in love with gaming. About a year or so prior, I had started playing a game called League of Legends. Sure, most of your listeners have heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think what really interested me the most, though, is hearing that other people at my school were interested in, excuse me, playing League of Legends. And I I just figured, why not create a a club or program or something? I didn't know what to call it back then. I just knew that I wanted to get organized with with people at my high school that played the game. And so I, I remember initially, actually, I was doing like YouTube at the time because I was I was 14 or 15 years old. And I really wanted to do something in video production. It's about the time I was running my own YouTube channel. I think we had like 200 subscribers or something like that. Yeah. And so actually what I, how I started is I, I hosted a League of Legends tournament through back then that you could open a, a, a ticket on the forums and the League of Legends forums and, and do like a tournament. So I did like an eight team bracket and we filled out all eight teams um, just within our high school. Wow. And we, we played a, like an eight team bracket and the, the winner got championship rise and 2600 RP or something like that, which is the in-game currency in League of Legends. So yeah. um, back when it was a lot easier to just organize a random pop-up tournament for League of Legends. But yeah, so that's kind of how I, I kind of got started. And I, I figured, you know, why not create a game club out of it? And I approached the the, the club sponsor at the time. His name was Rodney Knowlton, a, a science biology teacher, actually, at Matia Valley. And he was running the gaming club, gamers club. It was like tabletop games and all that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of built the video game aspect of that. And so when we built that, we found out that there were other schools that were potentially interested in playing video games kind of against each other. So we organized a really small competition between four local high schools at a land, local land center in Aurora, Illinois. And so we just decided to, to play games against our, our high school rivals as well as excuse me, a couple of other schools in the district. And from then on, it just kind of exploded. You know, it sounded like there were there were other initiatives going on in Chicago at the time, the Chicago Esports League, I think they were called, or Chicago High School Esports League. Mm-hmm. And they became eventually 
uh, two teachers from from the area, one from Illinois, his name is Todd McFarlane, and one from Oswego East High School, Amy Whitlock. They got together and, and co-founded the Illinois High School Esports Association. And so we quickly joined that league because we knew the league was expanding through us being us playing against Oswego East in that little tournament that we did. Yeah. And I started streaming our school's games because I thought it would be really cool to live stream our League of Legends games similar to what the LCS had. And I, I, of course, was not doing the same production value because it was sure. all just me. But I was so passionate about it. I really wanted to make it work that we streamed almost all of our competitions. So because of that, and it is a long-winded answer to this question, but because of that, I was found by Todd McFarlane and Amy Whitlock seeing that, you know, we were streaming our games at Matia and they asked me when I was a student, I must have been a junior now at that time, and asked, hey, do you want to live stream for the IHSEA? And that's how I started volunteering. This was, again, probably five years ago. (laughs) The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by iShaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. What I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. iShaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez, owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my iShaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for iShaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your iShaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC Drop branded iShaker at iShaker.com forward slash DLC Drop. Save 20% on all iShaker products with the discount code DLC Drop. Incredible. So when you were doing all this, did you have in mind a potential broadcasting career or casting career? Or were you just like, I'm trying to do this thing with my friends and get it as big as we can? It was at the time it was mostly just I wanted it to be as big as as it could be and I and I remember I was also that year I was coaching our team as a student coach and I took it so seriously <laughs> like we we were I was I was watching LCS every every time it was streamed I was I was I even brought a notebook to practice like that's how nice. how dedicated I was to to creating this League of Legends team to be like prosperous and and work out I think at the time, my career goal must have been to be a coach. I, I really wanted to be an LCS coach, I think, when, like probably my junior, senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. But because I had all of these like broadcast and video skills through YouTube, doing that amateur, just like self-started when I was in middle school and high school, just uploading videos on the internet. Like, yeah. I, I just had video editing and, and video experience that kind of translated into building out you know, the Twitch. So that's that's kind of how that 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 door open for me. I think one thing that's pretty cool about the opportunities that high school kids have later in life for their professional careers off the stage is simply the act of doing what you love in gaming often involves technology, right? Either back in the day, you're bringing your Xbox over to your friend's house and you got (laughs) to hook them up and then you become the most knowledgeable person of your friends to do that. And so now you're in charge of the land parties. Now some event got a sponsor, there's a little budget, and so you start your production company, right? Yeah. And so it's really cool how there's some under other industries that you're never going to do those things in your teenage life, like be a doctor <laughs> or something <Right>. like that, <laughs> right? Or be a lawyer. Like you're probably not like reading contracts and, and negotiating contracts as a 16-year-old, but you are organizing tournaments, you are broadcasting, streaming to Twitch, and yeah. that can go seamlessly right into a paid career. Yeah, it's funny It's funny you mentioned that. And it kind of reminded me, the first time I ever learned about what frame rate was and what, what is a frame rate is yeah. back when I was playing, I must have been playing like Halo 3 on my Xbox on a CRT, and I begged my mom to use her digital camera, and I took shoe boxes and stacked them in front of the TV and set her digital camera in front of the CRT. And so I thought it was like 
coming out like really clean footage and when i went to go watch it back you could see the scan lines going up and down so i was yeah. like what is this like and i looked up all on the internet like in my own really like broken words like what is what our lines on tv mean you know like sure. i was like really confused i thought maybe my my tv was broken or something but that's how i learned about frame rate and like scan lines and and understanding technology a little bit more i should also mention and shout out to my my wonderful father he 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 built his own business doing computer repair in chicago that's that's where i'm originally okay. from in in chicago and i was just surrounded by technology kind of my whole life cool. and, and so you know, he, while he didn't always have the answers for me because he didn't really know what like recording entailed and all that especially with like a, a game console or a pc just the some of the terminology and like being comfortable around you know pcs and and tvs and, and cameras and all that that's i definitely get that from my my father so like shout out to him <laughs> yeah shout out to pops absolutely yeah that's right <laughs> so we do know that the curriculum in high schools and in colleges are associated with stem steam learning can mm -hmm. you help our audience understand a little deeper what that means and and what those courses are exactly right what they're exactly like that set kids up for success in the future. You know, it, the courses change drastically year to year. I think the important takeaways is that when the connection between gaming and, and, and STEM is, is really strong, knowing that there are students that are interested in gaming and translating that into STEM careers, you know, people say that i guess there's a there's a there's a stigma behind gamers that are they're very non-productive when they're playing games and and learning those uh, to me they're learning soft skills right and that, that's how i learned my soft skills was sitting down and playing when you start getting into curriculum you know the best way to support a student is getting them hands-on there's a lot of it careers and networking careers out there that could really kind of boost a, a student's interest in esports and gaming through stem or and vice versa right um you know, we, we I mean, we've had even students within the IHSEA that move on to do STEM careers and and you know learn in college and, and go do like coding or networking and it's really interesting. It's really bizarre and I don't know how best to answer your question, but I know that it evolves year to year. And the best part is is that there are colleges now recognizing the connection between those STEM careers and adding them to the curriculum. At least a section about what is esports, what is gaming, and how does it correlate to a lot of these careers and skills. Yeah, one thing that I think is really powerful is knowing, like like purposefully learning something while you're doing it. And what yeah. I mean by that is, let's say a pro player, for example, could be on a team and all they're focusing on is competing at the highest level and they're not paying attention to anything around them. And then their career ends, for example, and they're like, oh, what do I want to do? Oh, you could do partnerships, you could do production. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was around that. Right. But they weren't purposefully learning the things to then do it professionally later on in this example. And so one thing that I really love about courses, especially in high school, that can bring that tie together between gaming and careers or curriculum is it helps kids purposefully learn rather mm -hmm. than passively learn and then try to remember what they were experiencing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and it's something that we've talked about many times and in, just in coaching alone, you know, actually my, I had a conversation recently with, with someone and they asked me a real question about esports, And it was like, if, if, if someone really wanted to get good at this game, right, they're, they're, naturally you're at, you can perform at a certain level, but in order to like, is, is there a way to kind of breach that natural barrier of your talent? Let's say mm. I pick up, apex legends right now right and i fall like middle of the pack or maybe a little bit lower below average in the game yep. and that's just my what my natural skill tells me how do i get to that next step and what i told them was it's purposeful learning or you're not they asked me if, if playing 100 hours of the game is going to make them better and i said no you know playing 10 hours purposefully going back and rewatching your games, understanding where you misstepped and did wrong and then learning from that for 10 hours is going to be much more productive than spamming 100 hours of games. Right. right. And that's, and that's what we taught students at the high school level too. While I, while I did some coaching was, you know, you can play, you know, four hours of scrims after school, but it's not going to help you unless you're 
really understanding and taking away from each game and each series why things happen. Yes, sometimes it, it's like in League of Legends, you have to draft champions. There's an extra layer of 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 almost 4D chess where you have to kind of understand the game before it's even played. Right? Yeah. So yes, some some of those games are uphill battles after champ select, but a majority of the time you and your opponent are playing on equal footing, right? What happens in that game is, is determines whether or not you win or lose. And the solution is not to just, when you lose one to just drop it and play another one until you win. That's not making you your player. It may help your mechanics, right? You know, if you, if you lift weights and you do this all day, it's going to help you understand your arms going to understand a little bit more about the motion, Mm -hmm. but you may not be building muscle because you're not purposefully focusing on that muscle. You're not adding or subtracting weight or doing reps or counting your reps and understanding the range of motion. So there's a lot of different ways to tie it in. I mean, even, even that example into physical fitness that we could even talk about that goes into esports and no, no yeah. one even really thinks about that but yeah there's a lot of tie-ins but again being productive and understanding and then going back in relation to you know curriculum is that that purposeful learning is 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 where the growth really happens in esports yeah i think it's a good point and we see a lot of burnout at a young age in this industry as well because typically a lot of the training the training quote unquote has just been i'm playing games for 14 hours And if you compare this to, let's say, football, for example, these guys aren't just playing football all day long. You know, you're watching film, you're doing certain types of exercises, you're practicing different techniques, things of this nature. And I've seen that evolving in our space. You know, it's it's not like this is a completely new idea I'm coming up with here. I think Complexity Gaming here in Frisco, Texas is a good example where they've got a whole film room. They have an area where they can practice in any environment, lights, sound, height of the desk, so that then when they compete, they're competing in the same environment they trained in, a lot of these things. Um, And I think it's really cool. I I look back at my skateboarding experience and I think about, you know, having gone on these tours and skated for these companies and things like that. And I was very fortunate that I had kind of some sight behind the curtain to these businesses to learn that. So then when I went to my professional life away from skateboarding and beyond, I was able to actively like take the next step, having purposely learned those things. I can relate working at the high school level as a student learning. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how many students in high school. And if you think to back to your high school time and career, how many times did you meet with building administration and principals and, and people when you weren't in trouble, right? Or, or it was a productive meeting None. about, <laughs> right. I, I met with, I want to, I, I want to think about uh, my, our principal at the time when I was at, at Matia Valley high school, his name was Dr. Daryl Eccles. I met with him and Kim Maloney was assistant principal. I think she was in, cha- in charge of uh, activities. I met with them maybe once a week regarding esports as a student mm-hmm. in their offices, right? Like we'd have it, like times in the conference room with our, our, our biology teacher that was acting as our teacher sponsor. I was really learning those adult skills very quickly, understanding the politics behind school and kind of uh, how do I say this? There's, there's a, there's a, we talked a little bit about pipelines. There's a process for everything in the EDU space, whether that be at the collegiate or high school level and understanding that there's steps that need to be taken before you ask for something and how to ask for something, how to ask for something for in front of a school board that helped me immensely going into my career than coaching esports at a different high school district, building out those two programs, building out those land centers. And then now as the, the, the executive director of the IHSEA, understanding the ins and outs of those administrations really, really helps me as, a, as an entrepreneur or, or as a kind of a, a, someone who oversees now a nonprofit organization helps me tremendously. Yeah, I love that because I think communication is not under or the, the level of communication that gamers learn on these yeah. teams competing in these tournaments outsiders don't understand you know there's typically the stereotype of oh you're just sitting there alone in your room not communicating with anybody but when you're in a team-based sport communication especially when you're not in the same room is so important but to your point to take it a level deeper and say now you're learning to communicate with adults Mm -hmm. with professionals who have especially in schools probably more more than even organizations schools have these processes and yeah. getting something done 
going to the right person, understanding their goals, helping them accomplish those, and the correct hierarchy could be the the difference between your club happening and nothing happening at all. Right. So that's really, that had never even gone through my head as far as another benefit to high school kids doing this. I will say there was a little bit of a benefit of being a student in those processes because it was really hard for them to just plainly say no and me be worried about my job security or anything like that, right? If I'd walk up to a, to a secretary or, or an assistant principal or someone on the board and ask them a question, and if, if it was a question that uh, maybe a staff member would have been a little bit too pensive to ask because of their position, right. I was as a student, I was very gung-ho. I was just like, this is this is what I wanted. And then funnily enough, and then kind of talking a little bit about my career, as soon as I graduated high school, I worked the summer at like a, at like a fast food place. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the summer, I got a phone call from the school district asking if I wanted to come back as a, as a, not only as a leader of their esports program, a director of esports is what they called me, but also working just at, at their school. And that, that's where I got my first big boy job, you could call mm-hmm. it, is when I was working at a at my high school that I had just graduated from, you know, that summer. And so transitioning there was really easy, too, because everybody in that administration already knew me as that gung-ho, like, when he wants something, he's going to sit in our office and figure out how we can get it. And, I, and it really worked to my advantage. And I, I thank all of them. They were I never really had any bad interactions with any of those people, even after I was a student. So it was, it was really, it was, it was an eye-opening experience, and it was a great experience for me, kind of moving on into the rest of my career. Yeah, I think there's a lot of power in there's a lot of power in knowing your energy and your value and what you can do, but there's also yeah. a lot of power in not knowing that what you're trying to do isn't possible. And I think that's something that young people especially can leverage where it's like you haven't heard no before. You don't know the cultural norms of a school district that <laughs> you're not supposed to do this and and also the grace that you're going to get compared to a professional, like you said, a teaching professional that, hey, this is just a very energetic kid who's very ambitious. You're getting a little wiggle room there to go for it. And yeah, when you don't know it's not possible, you're not stopped by the impossible. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, I didn't get everything I wanted, right? I mean, we wanted a, a Matia Valley. We wanted a, a, like a land center, a little space for computers. And I remember their biggest mistake was telling me that that next year they were getting rid of all of the computer labs in our schools and giving everybody Chromebooks, right? And I was like, great. Now you have all this space for a former computer lab where all the networking is there already. Nice. All you need to do is buy five machines or, 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 or put in five engineering machines that we can install League of Legends on. And you can make it work, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just an uphill battle that just never came to fruition at that district and i think ultimately that was only one of the one of the things that when i was offered another job at a at a, at a similar district they were like yeah we want to build out esports and we'll give you the funding and, and understanding to do so that i was comfortable with with moving on but yeah, i learned to to fail too you know i, I learned i right. learned that some things will just not change so long as one specific person is sitting in a chair right at the school level or you know maybe they had reason or, or didn't have the the bandwidth to to support such a big and, and ambitious idea but to your to your point a lot of those ideas that i would bring uh, similarly as as i always get that wiggle room kind of those administrators would kind of think, sit back and think uh-huh, i guess why not right why why not try it because this does seem like a well thought out plan and you know a, a big resource for us at the time was robert morris university because if yep. they were offering scholarships for league of legends it made sense that we would support that and have our students kind of create that pathway they were very happy to hear a lot from from those administrators at rmu and then they were like okay this makes a lot of sense we can support this at some sort of level Yeah, you know, it sounds like you had quite a bit of traction in this short high school career of yours. You started as a sophomore. By the time you're a senior, you really had a lot of things going on. I'm curious, what was the response from students as you were trying to do this? And then alternatively, what was the response from faculty? Sure. Yeah. So from students, we we started out as just a League of Legends program. And the second year we had supported League of Legends and all of a sudden we had some Super Smash Brothers students who were really interested in participating in some way, shape or form. So we were like, huh, if we can play League of Legends against other high schools, why can't we play Super Smash Bros. against other high schools? So then we started inviting high schools to our high school to do like an invitational where they would sit in the cafeteria and just play against each other. I think this is around the time, excuse me, when, when the Switch had just come out. 
or, or something like that. It was it was easy. It, it was easy to to bring a handhold, a handheld yeah. device, or at the very least a Wii U or something. It, you know, Nintendo made it pretty easy to set up a LAN play right because you okay. could just set up one screen and two people could play on one screen or four people or whatever so that was easy to support we had some kids that were interested in doing overwatch but we just didn't have pcs so we didn't know how to support that so unfortunately we couldn't support those students however had they been like you know we'll play from home or something like that some of those students could or couldn't and, and we just never found that traction yeah the one game that did really take off funnily enough that i just don't see at the high school level anymore was hearthstone mm. and it's funny because i remember very vividly being in like my english class and uh, this is really bad advice being in my english class and playing with my buddy that was next to me playing hearthstone battles and <laughs> queuing up and stuff like that like we would play like hearthstone was really big back then at least for in, in like my generation of gamers yeah it was like the one mobile game that like ran kind Kind of well on our old kind of phones right mm-hmm. so <laughs> it made sense but yeah so so as it expanded there were more and more students that were interested and eventually the Matia valley esports club at least it was used to be like just a division of gamers club became Matia valley esports as a whole and we kind of absorbed the original club that we joined as gamers club and it became esports because a majority of the students there were playing video games and the ones that did play board games we still supported and allowed like you know while we we had a space open for our club for let's say every friday evening or whenever we used to meet sure you know they would have a space to still play their tabletop games or uh, magic the gathering and stuff like that right so uh, we had a lot of student interest so much so that we kind of absorbed the original club that we were kind of a division of, right? So there goes that that student interest. And also I should say, I think our junior, my senior year or something like that, we finally did jerseys. We, we found a company. It's funny, I, <laughs> the way I found the company was I looked up who does TSM's jerseys and it was like nice. some company, com- some company out of, I think it was Meta at the time or I don't know if it still is. Sounds about right, um, yeah. And, we we reached out to MetaThreads or something. We reached out to them and we we're like, "Hey, can we do a, a design for for our high school esports club?" They were like, I, "I guess." I never heard of that, but sure. And I I still have my jersey today. It's it's fantastic. I I, I still wear it sometimes just because it's That's it's awesome. like, it's it's good memories, right? And and that actually generated a little bit of the revenue that we needed to support our club by selling those jerseys. I think we marked it up five or ten dollars or something like that. Yeah. And parents that were supportive, staff, our principal, we presented one to him. Cool. And once he wore one around the school, other people wanted them. So people were buying them left and right. And, and we had a little bit of a fund then to go and, and purchase games or something that we needed for our club or do like a pizza party or something. I don't know. It was you know, stuff that high school clubs do. You know? Right. So, yeah. That, that was kind of the, the start of that. And so kind of looking towards the faculty, they really supported us when we really started becoming a legitimate club. When we started, those meetings got really big. Mm. A lot of students were talking about it. Students were wearing their their Matia Valley Esports jersey in the hallways. People would ask about it. So the faculty overall was was pretty excited to embrace it. Even our athletic director at least acknowledged us and would take pictures with us. He wore his jersey cool. a lot too. So it was it was not a whole lot of shunning, and it was actually really cool because I, I never had that trouble with like being a like a gamer in high school. Like I, I it, for some reason in our high school, the culture culture was just there right the yeah. gaming culture was just there so it wasn't shunned or looked down upon like these movies or stuff like show or tv shows will say right. we weren't like like outcasted or anything like people just kind of embraced it so it was just the perfect environment for us to cultivate i think yeah yeah and it sounds like the right time which is and, and when yeah. what year was this by the way it, it must have been so my senior year was like 2016 or something like that yeah. so like anywhere from 2014 to 2016 17 basically yeah so not that long ago so historically you had this big kind of gap between traditional mm-hmm. sports athletes and gamers and yeah. you know a lot of the traditional sports athletes may have still been gamers but because it was not the cool thing to do you know they, they'd be kind of closet gamers or something like that yeah. but nowadays everybody on campus is a gamer and right. I, I think it's interesting too as you you talked about the different titles that you were playing you started with league you go to smash you couldn't do overwatch hearthstone was another one it's important for people to understand that not all students are esports 
enthusiasts, as the latest research would title it. Uh, <laughs> right. But every kid's a gamer, right? Yeah. And so, how would you, how would you counsel, whether it be high school students or faculty or helping with these these leagues? Mm-hmm. How do you identify the right game? So when, when you know, I do get this question a lot from faculty that want to support esports kind of at the top level Mm -hmm. Uh, before the students have formally organized anything they just know that they've heard rumblings of people interested in gaming and Mm esports and they saw that you know their their administration supporting it right Mm -hmm. i always go i always recommend the games that are the lowest floor to meet as far as requirements right so for for smash right Mm -hmm. you need a nintendo switch and most of the time if not all the time students will actually be willing to bring their nintendo switch to campus because they're more comfortable playing on their own machine and their own hardware so if you've got 10 kids that are interested in playing smash and all of them most likely have nintendo switches all you need to do is provide them with a tv or monitor or projector to play on right Right. and then bam you've got the start of your esports program right because now you're playing video games and then there's going to be students that want to come and play other video games and you support that in in whatever way that you can right so smash is one of the big ones the other one i i i tend to recommend is rocket league Mm-hmm. Rocket League is not only cross-platform and really easy to access for students, but also it is the easiest, I think, to understand from a s- traditional sports perspective. Yeah. If you need to convince your AD about any any esports title, I think Rocket League is going to be one of the easiest ones because it's actually just RC car soccer. Yep. And it's really simple to understand when they watch it. If you show them those professional clips, right, they'll be really easy to understand why the crowd is hyped when a, a, a car does like a 360 backflip and then bounces a ball into the net, right? They right. understand that concept, right? Whereas if I show them the 2014 Worlds video of Faker or, or you know, if, or if Arrow shooting a, a, an Ash Arrow across the map and stopping a back while the nexus is like (laughs) you know like you know cross screen and all this stuff they're not going to understand why that's important or hyped up Mm -hmm. i mean they may understand the crowd energy but they don't understand what's going on in the game so it's harder to sell so smash and rocket league are probably the two that i recommend that is easiest for faculty and staff to kind of get involved with when a student approaches me they usually have a game in mind already that they're Mm -hmm. not willing to budge on because that's what they're passionate that's their game and i could and i completely understand that right because league of legends was my game so that's why i pushed so hard for it right so i just tell them to find the cool teacher at school right yeah find the that it's most of the time it's a science teacher shout out to the science teachers out there that, that are just like really interested in geeky stuff or if you have a club on campus that already does you know board games or magic the gathering or something mm-hmm. find the person who supports that club and find a way to convince them that video games is where it's at and then have them contact us right because then we can do onboarding sessions we show them what it's all about we show them that the ihsa is involved we show them how easy it is to get involved from their end and we can help them support building their club yeah that's great feedback i think one of my favorite tactics just in business in general is benchmarking meaning you just Mm -hmm. find out what somebody else is doing and you replicate that until you kind of find your own way and so Mm -hmm. for students who are listening yeah go to those people who already have clubs it probably doesn't even matter the type of club like i'm sure the board game club would be a little closer but just understanding like you said who to talk to what the order of operations is in that school and that'll help you dip your toe in the water to get that thing going Absolutely. It helps tremendously. And I think before the IHSA, our, our, our state association, school association, high school association, I should say, before they supported esports, it was an uphill battle for a lot of students because they needed to find a champion in the form right. of a teacher or faculty that could support them and have those conversations to administrations, right? I was fortunate enough to not only have that champion, but also have a very supportive and listening and understanding administration that wanted to help us. Hmm. It just, the the case is, is that unfortunately, not all administrations are created equal. Not all educators are created equal, right? And so it, it was a lot harder, I think, in years past. Now that not only has the IHSEA been involved for six plus years, but now that the IHSA is getting involved officially for now their second year, it's going to make it a lot easier for people to to support that 
even when the IHSA wasn't involved, they had an emerging sports list, and esports was one of the categories that schools could self-identify with having. Right. And Matia Valley was number one on that list all the time. I made sure I bugged my AD the day it came out. And I'd be like, can you put us on the emerging list? And they, he would just take care of it so I wouldn't revisit his office well, here again. Here comes Andy again. Um, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Better get this list taken care of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I, and, that, and that's how I became such good friends with them. I think when I became a staff member, it's like it became yeah. a, a running joke of like, this is, you were such a gung ho kid and now you just, you've joined us and like, you understand kind of the work that needs to be put into it right. now. But but yeah, anyway, you know, having that emerging sports list on the IHSA website was even easier for some of these schools to get involved because they're like, mm-hmm. okay, if this is eventually going to be supported, then we can, you know, try to find a way to support it to get ahead of the curve. Right. And and it's just even easier now. Yeah, that's super helpful. Thinking about colleges, you talked about Robert Morris Robert Morris University, you know, they kind of set the the example where you could say, look the next stage of education is doing this. This should justify our thing here. How can high school students or faculty who are listening, if they don't have that ecosystem on campus where it's easier to get this going, how would you recommend that they leverage, whether it's college relationships or just examples that this is really robust on college campuses because they are further down the path with doing this? The nice thing about being kind of getting involved at this point in this stage is that there's data that can support you right now. There's that, that college college esports data put together by Chris Postel. I don't know if you've, you've encountered yeah. him at all, but yeah, yeah. So he's got that, that awesome. college esports survey, right? That and I I think that and I point to that a lot with some of our school districts that kind of on the iffy side of like, well, do colleges really support this? And like, if you've never heard of it, which I'm very shocked that you haven't. Here's the information that you need. It's like yeah. how X amount of colleges, X amount of scholarships, X amount of dollars. Bam, they understand now. So I think that is probably one of the biggest resources and it being completely free. Chris is a, is a saint. Yeah. I'm actually attending his wedding recently or pretty soon oh, wow. uh, in a couple nice. couple weeks here. So good for, good for him. Very excited for them. But yes, so I, I, I want to say like that that is probably one of the biggest resources that a school or a student can provide their administration to be like, here's here's the facts, right? Here's, here's right. self-reported data, uh, not only from college esports administrators, but also just college administrators in general. And, and admission rates too, when it comes to esports and kind of the cool things that they do there. And then if they want to see the flashy stuff, show them Maryville University, right? Show them Northwood right. University, show them all the other beautiful college programs that exist out there right now and, and show them all the cool stuff that they're doing. And, and that, that should be to convince them as well. Yeah, that's great. Speaking of convincing people, I'm thinking about parents right now. So parents who either don't understand that it's okay for their kid to be playing games, not all the time, you know, probably take a break every Mm -hmm. now and then, but helping them understand the benefits that your kid can have in a career, whether that's on the stage or whether that's supporting in the many different departments that are now available. What would you say to parents listening? There are many good resources out there to to kind of understand a little bit what, what your child is doing. The, the number one thing that I tell parents that are skeptical is that everything is in moderation, right? Everything is good yeah. up to a point. You know, if you if you do too much of one thing and shun out another, then you're you're bound to fail, right? But everything that we teach, especially at the IHSCA, we support students playing in their obviously a lot of times and also growing as a holistic student and player and and athlete to go and then move on and be the best that they can for colleges and be marketable and be presentable and respectful and coachable, right? Those are all skills that they need to move on in life. There's a lot of good resources, as I mentioned online. The number one resource that I think about right now is COPE. And I don't know if you've heard about COPE, the Coalition of Parents Parents and Esports. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they are a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic group that can help you understand a little bit more about not only why esports is important and they're not going to be there to, to convince you that your student needs more screen time or anything like that. They're going to tell you why and how and then show examples of what your student can become when playing games right and if you think about it this way this is what i tell a lot about a lot of parents too you know your student's going to go home and play video games anyway 
Let's be real. Right. Unless unless you're punishing them for some reason or they're not access to or whatever, they are going to go home and more than likely they're going to get on Fortnite or they're going to get on their game. They're going to get on League of Legends and they're going to play with their friends, which is totally OK. Right. But that's not productive time. Right. Not necessarily. If you want to get them involved in esports at their high school. Now they're you're talking about time that they would have been playing with potentially just random people and not really growing as a as a communicator. Now they're playing with students from their high school mm-hmm. under their banner and under the supervision of a coach. Right. right. So now now you've got uh, someone who is making sure that not only are they being productive, but they're being safe. Right. Instead exactly. of just unsupervised time that they would have been playing games anyway. Right. So. If, if, if we can move it to be productive, if we can kind of change the paradigm of, of well, gaming is, is, is a waste of time and for nerds or, or you know, it's just not productive. If, if you're thinking about, you know, it, another thing, another actually, you know, topic that I wanted to bring up and, and this kind of ties into this is that I had a student at Naperville North High School when I was coaching. We'll never forget this. He walked up to me his senior year of high school. He had been with us since his sophomore year, I think, or maybe maybe he was only with us for a year or two, or maybe okay. two years. He walked up to me and he said, Mr. Mendez, I did absolutely nothing when it comes to extracurriculars in high school. He used to tell me his, his freshman, his sophomore year, he would show up to class at, at 7 a.m., right, mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever time it is. He would leave high school at 3 p.m., and he would not think about school until the next day, right? doing his homework or whatever, but he would not think about just doing anything within that building, within the confines of those walls at yeah. all, other than, than, than just school until esports came around. Wow. Esports gave him an opportunity to play and represent his school. And he came out with school pride, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a Husky understanding what school pride is, why those, those football jocks are the way they are. Right. Right. Why, why they, they're so gung ho about about their, their colors the 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 orange and blue right why there's why that's so important mm-hmm. suddenly his parents are showing up to games and wearing Naperville North merch and 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 just cheering them on it it all of a sudden people are asking him in the hallways what he does at school and what that jersey is and wow. why why are you wearing the logo that is such a completely different experience than showing up at 7 a.m leaving at 3 p.m and never thinking about school ever again Right. Absolutely. Completely different experience. And he moved on to play for Aquinas Esports and right now is actually on their League of Legends team. Incredible. So, and he's, he's an amazing kid. And, and he is just so coachable and understanding. But to know that if we had not supported esports at that high school level, he wouldn't have found that opportunity is sad yeah. because he is incredibly talented and learned so much about being a communicator and, and, and understanding how to communicate with not only his peers, but also with people who just asked him what are your interests and how are you involved in this and what do you do for this? It's just, it's good. Yeah. I saw a stat a while back. I don't remember specifically, but roughly it was over 80% of kids who joined a high school esports team had not participated in team sports before. And so it's important for parents to understand the, the benefits of team sports that we know with traditional sports, with little league, with basketball, football, baseball, of you're part of a team, you're, you're gaining friendships and camaraderie, you're learning to win, you're learning to lose, you're learning to work hard to accomplish something that is bigger than just yourself and all mm-hmm. the things that come along with that. That's also true in esports. It just so right. happens to be that you're sitting down on a digital device with headphones on rather than running up and down a field. Right. And furthermore, the careers that are available in this industry, very similar to traditional sports. I was just at the Rocket League World Championships this weekend in Fort Worth. 14,000 person capacity sold out at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth. And the people that were there running that, right? You got all these people from every team has their partnership person, has their social media person. Psyonix, you know, is hiring a production company to do the audio, the video, the staging, et cetera, the tournament organization. And when you get beyond that of just events, there's all these other careers, right? Where there's a lot of skills from gaming that adapt well to becoming a pilot, right? To flying drones, which is important for a military, things like that. Are there any other things you'd add to that from the career standpoint off the stage. 
There is just a there's a fantastic graphic that everybody in in my circle always references, and it is it is a, a colorful graphic of esports in the middle, and across all of it is all of the different careers that you can move into. Yeah. It's quite literally every career possible. If you sat here and thought about, well, a uh, lawyer, yes, you can be a lawyer in esports. Imagine mm-hmm. you understanding gaming law and in law that pertains to privacy and and you know those concerns and, and that you can do that in relation to gaming. And being an esports athlete in high school and in college will help you achieve that goal, right? IT, same thing. Understanding networking, understanding what how a computer works, what an OS is, right? Why does why is your game lagging? People don't understand. Like, if if a, if a gamer is sitting here and playing games in solo queue and they're dropping FPS, they're going to open up their computer and find out why, right? right? And you can't really say that a lot about a, an office worker who's like, you know, maybe sitting behind a desk and doing. Let's just say, and not to knock off insurance, but let's just say you're sitting behind and selling insurance all day. If your computer runs slow. You're not motivated to understand why that is. You're just going to call IT and wait for it to be resolved, and that's the end of that. Right? right? You're calling the person who probably grew up playing video games all day to come home, come to your office, and figure it out for you. Right? And and that's just how it is. And even even if you are a gamer and wanting to go into selling insurance, there's insurance for for gaming companies, right? And understanding understanding what kind of policies would be fit if, for a company like TSM, right? What right. are the kind of things that they do? They travel all the time. They own multiple properties, offices. Like th- those are things that you need to sell insurance for, right? That understanding that would also get you a long way in gaming and esports. Think of any career possible, and you could tie gaming and esports to it. So it's it's just just a matter of fact. Yeah, I had someone on the podcast a few weeks back, Alex Tarrant from a company called Stinger. And essentially what Stinger does is they negotiate contracts and integrate recorded music into video games and the metaverse. Interesting. And the licenses are just so different Mm -hmm. from other forms of media compared to games in the metaverse that he has this company that like specializes in these sync licenses and if you don't know it you can't do it and so that alone is a very traditional industry where people have been negotiating music for everything forever and it takes someone very special to do it specifically in this space and if i may say you know is it easier to teach someone how to sell insurance or is it easier to teach someone the history of gaming and why it's important and become endemic to that space, Hmm. right? Would you rather train someone to understand and maybe they go to college and understand how to build out insurance claims and whatnot, but play video games, that person is going to be perfect for that kind of role selling insurance to to those big companies versus someone right. who is maybe a traditional you know insurance agent understanding what insurance is but doesn't know anything about gaming those companies are going to be frustrated working with those people right because they got to explain exactly what they're doing why they're doing it how they're doing it what are the kind of things that entail and understanding why would you ever need to do this anyway where you could do this this and that it's like the questioning and all that i mean it, it's just you want people who are endemic to the space and what high school esports does is create those individuals who are endemic to the space, right? We bring them in, right. we coach them, we teach them, we train them, and now they're ready for the real world to pivot wherever they want to go. Well, and I've seen it time and time again as sports is growing and there are more roles and more opportunities, especially for companies outside to come mm-hmm. into it. These companies really struggle to penetrate this space if the salesperson or the business development person doesn't speak that language, isn't part exactly. of that culture. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've been part of companies where I've been able to help them get into esports just because all these partnership guys for the and girls for these teams are my friends, right? Yeah. And so if somebody else rolls up and says e-gaming or capitalizes the word wrong, <laughs> that email's not getting opened, right? No, it's rather not. than like, hey, John. <laughs> what are you selling this time? (laughs) Right. Let's talk about it. So yeah, absolutely. Both encourage parents on the side of, you know, help your, you know, your, your kids pursue these paths, but also employers, right? Hire gamers. This is such an all encompassing industry that if you want to get in this space, you're going to need someone who is part of that culture to help you get there. Absolutely. And think about how you would approach a, a, a another traditional sports industry, right? Let's yeah. say you were going to approach football, right? You need your salesperson to understand football if they're going to be selling 
items to the 49ers or the bears, right? right? You need someone to understand why your product is good for what they do. Right. And if you're bringing in someone who knows nothing about football and they use the wrong terminology, let's say they say goals instead of touchdowns. Right. It's, it's a, it's an ick almost, right. That person's going to understand and pick up on those cues. Like, do you really know what you're selling me or understand right. why this is important to me? And if it's not important to you, then it's not going to be important to me. So why should I buy it? Right. Great point. So, yeah. Well, as we're coming to rounding out this episode here, Mm-hmm. What is something, what, what do you want this audience to take away from this episode with what you're doing, with what your goals are? I think it's important to support your local high school, not only league, but esports program. Understand that those students that you'd be supporting are going to be the students of our future. Understanding that whatever sector that you look at, even if it's not relation to gaming, it's growing in technology and STEM fields, right? So if you support those students that are interested in technology and esports and gaming now, then it pays dividends later on, right? And then understand as an audience, if, if, if you're already listening and, and know a lot about gaming, your local nonprofit esports program that are running esports leagues are here to help students mm. and are not here to make a quick buck like maybe some other companies that I won't name. You know, support support those 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 initiatives because you know, even if you don't have the money to to donate, at least donate your time. If you understand about gaming and esports, they need your help because most of the time it's a one man ship. Luckily for us, we've got a little bit of a staff going so that we kind of have processes and understand and you know more hands lighten the load. But from wherever you're from support your local high school esports league or high school esports association and and kind of be that champion for the students that you you would have liked to see when you were growing up too yeah i really appreciate that and i i echo that point what are the best ways for people to follow you and to follow the i h s EA? Yep. Did I get that yep. right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, the <laughs> Illinois High School Esports Association. Yes. So you can follow me on on Twitter. It's kind of my main my main shtick at the moment. It's just at abxygg, I believe. And for the IHSEA, visit our website ihsea.org uh, to get connected with us or follow us on our socials. Where pretty much all of our socials are ihsea underscore org. That is IHSA underscore ORG. And yeah, we, we would love your support and following and understanding. And if you ever have any tips for us or want to get us connected with a, a partner or a sponsor or something, you know, let us know. We're always, always happy to work with people. So yeah, that's the best way to reach us, I think. Awesome. And what are the type of sponsors or partners that would be relevant to connect you with? You know, we, we look for, for anyone that can then help us with our cause, right? Really, it, it's it's any company that is interested in working with a nonprofit organization surrounding gaming. If you're a peripheral provider, fantastic. If you do monitors, computers, anything, even if you're not endemic to that space, if you're something like a, a an energy drink provider that is safe for students or something that is right. healthy for, for, for our students to, to get together with, or if you're a college that wants to support our program because you have students that have come through, you know, with our, our our logos and branding with them and have played in our tournaments you know it, it really anybody that is looking to, to help us and support us we're looking to work with you know just good people if you're good people reach out wonderful i love that well andy i just so appreciate your time today it's really inspirational you know to see someone who was just a passionate high school student push through make their dreams come true and then to Thank take you. that passion turn it around and pay it back to high school kids all across Illinois. So I so appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop Podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review. 